listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. All right, well, what's up, Northside? Uh, I am super excited to get to be here. This is awesome. Uh, I love that I get to do this and that Wayne trusted me enough to give me a mic. Uh, it's great. So, and I love Northside. You know, I've grown up here. I love this community. I love the staff. Except this one guy, Corey Scott, still trying to, you know, figure out about him. But, you know, for the most part, it's great. Uh, but yeah, I love that I get to do this. And I love also that I get to do this during Christmas time. I mean, I love Christmas. I don't know anyone who doesn't. Uh, but, I mean, it's great. I mean, Christmas music, Christmas lights, Christmas cookies, Christmas movies. I love Christmas movies. All right, I could watch them all day. Give me a cup of hot chocolate and a Christmas movie, and I will feel at home no matter where you put me. All right, and like my family, something that we do is we have like a list, right? We have this list of Christmas movies that we've got to get through. If it's not on the list, it's okay. Maybe we'll get around to it. Maybe we won't. But if it's on that list, we are watching it. No matter what time it is, we are going to watch it. All right, so like on that list, we got Elf. We got the first two Home Alone movies because we pretend the other ones don't exist. Uh, We got, let's see, Miracle on 34th Street, Ernest Saves Christmas, uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol. The Muppet Christmas Carol is the best Christmas movie, hands down. All right, I just need to point that out. Uh, but I mean, we also got like the Charlie Brown Christmas special and that one's weird for me. I love it. So just, I need to clarify that before I say what I'm about to say, because some of you might want me off the stage after it, but I love it. It's good, but it's just not like my favorite thing of all time. All right. It's nostalgic and maybe gets like a couple chuckles, but like, it's not like hilarious. It's not super emotional or anything. It's kind of just one of those like nostalgic short specials. I mean, the music is great. The animation is cute and charming. So it's good, but it's just not like my thing, you know, except for this one scene. There's this one scene in it that actually like blows me away with how like weirdly deep and profound it is. I know it's the Charlie Brown Christmas special, but like, and some of you might know what scene I'm talking about already, but like it just, every time I watch it, it's so good. And so for those of you who haven't watched it or maybe don't know the scene I'm talking about, let me kind of set the stage. Charlie Brown is stressed out of his mind nothing new there. But he's trying to figure out how to put together this Christmas play with his friends. And he's trying to bring everyone together so that they can all remember what the true meaning of Christmas is. And everyone's like kind of just wanting to do their own thing. They're all wanting to do this and that and this and that. And they're just like caught up in the commercial aspects of Christmas. And they're just kind of all over the place. And Charlie Brown, he's trying to put this together. He's trying to help them come up with the true meaning of Christmas, but he just can't seem to get it nailed down. And it all builds up and builds up until Charlie Brown kind of reaches his breaking point and he just goes, I mean, does anyone know what Christmas is all about? And that's when it happens. Linus, Charlie Brown's best friend, this little shy kid who's always anxious about something, always sucking his thumb, always holding his blue safety baby blanket, he goes, I know what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And he could have just said it there, but he doesn't. He actually walks out onto the middle of this stage where they're putting together this play. And he just goes, lights, please. Spotlight falls on him. 
Everyone's all kind of leaned in to hear what he has to say. There's no music or anything. It's just him standing up there. And this is what he says. He says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, pause. I just need to point out, or point out that he drops his baby blanket here, which I don't know if you know much about Charlie Brown. I don't know if you know much about that. He doesn't do that. All right, like he gets an anxiety attack if he has to put his blanket in the washing machine for 30 minutes. Like this kid doesn't drop this blanket, but he drops it. Continuing on. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And then Linus reaches down, and he picks back up his blanket. He walks back over to Charlie Brown, and he just goes... That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And that's the scene. It's so, like, randomly serious and meaningful, but I think that's the point. The writers of the show, they wanted their audience, I mean, even if it was just younger kids, to see that this was important. Not to mention the fact that Linus was the one saying and doing this. Before I was going to go to Ozark, I wanted to go and, like, be a director and make movies and stuff. Uh, But... In some of those classes that I took, we learned how to, like, write for different characters and write stories and stuff. And honestly, this is kind of a bad example of how to do that. Linus drops almost every single noticeable character trait that he has just to do this. He throws away his anxiety and nervous nature to step up on that stage and give this message. He stopped sucking his thumb to simply speak loudly, I mean, as the spotlight was focused on him. And he also dropped his blanket, which, like I said, is something he never, ever does. It's honestly bad character writing, but it's perfect, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Last week, we started talking about the peace of Christ and its importance in our lives. And if we were talking about how we can learn to accept that peace, then I would just focus on Charlie Brown, because I think we can all kind of see how he could maybe use a little extra peace. But no, today, I want us to look at Linus as we talk about peace for humanity. We're not just talking about you as an individual anymore. How do we show humanity as a whole this peace that we now know? You don't have to go far in our world to see that they could use a little extra peace. I mean, scroll through your newsfeed for five minutes and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And honestly, you don't even need to look at the world as a whole to see that people need peace. Your coworkers, your classmates, your friends, and even your family need peace so often, so desperately. So how do we share that peace with them? If you weren't here last week or don't quite remember all that Wayne talked about, I would highly encourage you to check it out because it kind of builds the foundation for this sermon. Once you understand the peace of Christ in your heart, what do you do with it? How do we share this ultimate peace to an ultimately peaceless world? 
Well, if you have your Bibles and want to open them up, then go ahead and open them up to James chapter 3, since that's where the main passage we're going to be at is in today. We're just going to be in verses 17 and 18. And in these verses, Paul is going to show us not only what separates the peace of Christ from everything else, but he is going to show us the power that rests in that peace. So starting in verse 17, it says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The first thing that I want us to recognize about this passage is that it is a call to action, which is weird, because that's not usually what we think about when we hear the word peace in the Bible, right? Oftentimes when we hear peace in scripture, we kind of just think about it in the context of What can Christ do for me? How can he bring me peace in this season of my life? And don't hear me wrong. Those are good questions to ask. And if you want the answers to that, then again, I would challenge you to go listen to last week's sermon. Because these two verses verses actually challenge the audience with something. To live with peace and make peace is a challenge. And we need to see it as such. But I think the first thing I want us to recognize in this passage is what it says about wisdom. It mentions all of these qualities that come with heavenly wisdom, right? It says pure, uh, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. But the one that I want to focus now is peace-loving. Wisdom loves peace. And if we're truly going to attempt to bring peace to humanity, then we need to recognize that true peace comes from righteous wisdom. Wisdom is one of those things that we all think we have to a certain extent, but uh, let's be honest, some of us have it just a little bit more than others. But if we truly do wish to show peace to a peaceless world, there's got to be some wisdom involved there. Wisdom to know when to speak up. Wisdom to know when to shut our mouths. Wisdom to know what to say when we do speak. Wisdom to know how to avoid making a situation worse than it already is. When you're at work and two of your coworkers are fighting, you could have one of two responses. You could either stay back, decide to not get too involved and go back to your desk, or you could step up and try to help. And while that might sound great, we have to remember that if we go into the situation wrongly, we might make it worse than it already is. So, this is why we can only achieve true peace when we can seek out righteous wisdom. Okay, so... How do we do that? Well, there was an interview with Mother Teresa that I believe actually can kind of help us see how we can do this. A CBS anchor was interviewing Mother Teresa, and he just asked her what it was like for her to pray to God. And she answered by just saying, I just listen. And the interviewer, he kind of nodded his head. He was like, all right, I get that. And then he was like, of course, you know, the next question is, well, what does God say? She was like, he listens. And the interviewer was like, kind of scratching his head a little bit, a little confused. And then she responded to her response by confusing the interviewer even more. He just, she just goes, if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. I know when I read that, I just kind of went, I've been a Christian my whole life, and I'm not even sure I understand that. But I really do believe that this is how we find true wisdom. 
Mother Teresa was explaining how she just simply lived her life with God. Every moment of every day was simply spent in the presence of her creator. And if we truly wish to achieve heavenly wisdom in pursuit of true peace, we have to live in constant communion with the one whom that heavenly wisdom comes from in the first place. This means living lives in constant prayer, in constant study of his word, because that is the only way that we will hear God's true and loving wisdom. Job 32, 8, it says, But it is the spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty, that gives them understanding. It is God alone who gives us true wisdom. In our world, they need that wisdom desperately. If we really wish to proclaim this peace, we have to have the wisdom on how to do that in the first place. And we find that wisdom through staying in constant communication with God and through the constant studying of his word. But to live in pursuit of peace for the world around us in this type of way requires something else a lot of us struggle with. Humility. You see, true peace requires righteous humility. To admit that someone else's wisdom is better than your own requires a lot of humility. When we recognize that in order to bring peace to a situation around us, we have to say no to our own impulses and remain submissive to Christ's desires for us, that is tough. If you have ever been in a situation where someone is just super angry at you and saying all these hurtful things in your face, you know how easy it is to look at that person and tell them every thought that is going through your head. But to be a peacemaker and truly bring peace requires us to stay humble and sometimes stay quiet. My fiance could tell you that staying quiet is not necessarily one of my strong suits. I like to talk, Uh, but I recognize that I need to grow in that because sometimes talking just to talk actually hurts the situation even more. I want to bring this issue though into the context of sharing good news with other people, sharing the good news with other people. Because I think peace through humility has a lot more to do with that than we might realize at first. I just feel as if I have heard story after story after story of people being hurt by other Christians because that Christian was just speaking the truth. It hurts me to see how many stories I've heard like this because I know it isn't always because of the gospel itself. Now, I do want to recognize that there are situations where certain people are so actively against Christ and his church that any amount of the good news will seem offensive to them. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the instances where we as Christians just become so caught up in our own pride that we forget that the gospel is supposed to ultimately bring peace. John 14, 27, Jesus, he says to his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus brings peace. And when someone becomes hurt or angry or upset because of our conversation with them about the good news, it's not usually because of the gospel message. I have absolutely been guilty of valuing what I want to say above simply what God's word says. And I can tell you this, it does take an insane amount of humility to say no to our own desires for what we want to say in pursuit of what is truly beneficial in that moment. An example, God will never give you more than you can handle. That statement is found nowhere in scripture. 
And while it sounds great at first, it's so much less comforting than we might think. Rather, we can say, God will give you more than you can handle sometimes. But he does it so that we can focus our dependence on him. That is rooted in scripture because the first one causes the other person to think, well, if God doesn't give me more than I can handle, then why is this more than I can handle? But the second explanation turns the person's eyes towards God, even in the midst of crisis. That is what it looks like to value God's word above our own words. Peace should be the outcome when the gospel is the method. In other words, peace is found when we live in humble submission of what we want to say and what we want to do in pursuit of simply showing the gospel message to those who need to hear it. I mean, Jesus was crucified on the cross in our place for our sins. But then he rose from the dead three days later and he defeated death definitively. And that should bring a lot of peace to the world around us. Before we move on to this third point, though, I want to reread verse 18 because I feel like it really helps us to understand the importance of spreading peace to humanity. James 3.18, it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. To sow in a field was not an easy thing to do. It was a way of farming a person's fields that took so much effort that, I mean, hearing about it made me want to go apologize to my dad for complaining about never buying a riding mower. But I believe wholeheartedly that this verse, this one verse, is saying that true peace requires righteous work. Peace in our world requires work, and we can't ignore that. Now, peace within ourselves, that doesn't actually require work. That comes naturally when we learn to abide in Christ. But to bring Christ's peace to a world that seems to absolutely absolutely want nothing to do with it, that does require some work on our part. Our world is so incredibly broken, and some people might even say it's beyond repair. I don't believe this, but I can see why people might think so. With social media and the news being so accessible, you don't have to go very far to see how broken and corrupted our world is. And I don't know how many of you like to scroll through the news, but it can become so easy to look at those news stories and just sit back and think, what could even be done about all of this? It's overwhelming. So what do we do about all of this craziness? Well, I really do believe we take it one person at a time. A couple summers back, I had the opportunity to intern with a youth pastor in Tulsa named Jimmy Foreman. It's a great time. I loved it. I have a lot of fun and crazy stories from that summer. But something else that Jimmy does on top of his youth ministry stuff is that he's also a chaplain. And I loved being able to grow up in the church, but it did cause me to unknowingly kind of have this fixed idea of what ministry was supposed to be. Jimmy kind of broke that box for me. For his job as a chaplain, he would just be on call to go and comfort family members when they would lose a loved one. And I tagged along with him whenever he would get one of those calls. I only went to a few calls, but the ones that I did go to really left an impact on me. Sometimes the family members would just be in shock or desperately distraught, but Jimmy would always just sit there and be with them. He would pray with them if they asked. And he simply would just comfort them in any way that he could. And let me tell you this, though. These were not easy situations to be in. The houses we went to were not in great neighborhoods, and a couple of the deaths were for some really tragic reasons. 
As we would sit with these family members, we would just hear their hearts and emotions as they simply just attempted to express how they were feeling. The craziest part about it all was every time we left one of those situations, Jimmy, at some point, was able to help those people feel some type of hope or joy. He brought them peace. It wasn't easy. I mean, that mean we had to go into some tough situations, but that level of peace, it brought light into the darkness. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He suffered tremendously for us through his death on the cross, but he did it so that we might find ultimate and eternal peace in him. And in the same way, he calls us to do the same. Jesus calls us to proclaim his name even when it means experiencing suffering or enduring hardships because he desires people of all nations to find true peace in him. He set the example. Now we've got to do everything within our power to follow that example to the best of our abilities. We are called to be peacemakers in our world even when it's hard. And even when it's at our expense, the peace of Christ should always be worth it in our minds. We need to allow true peace from Christ to shine through us as we use the wisdom God has blessed us with to know when and where to speak. We need to have humility to recognize that it is not our own thoughts or words or actions that are truly going to make an impact, but instead, it is God's word alone that is going to accomplish this. Otherwise, our pride gets in the way of true peace being brought into the world. We also need to see that bringing peace to a peaceless world is not going to happen if all we do is sit back and watch. Yes, God's will ultimately will happen whether we want it or not. But if we wish to live out Christ's will for us, we have to follow his example of doing what is difficult to bring Christ's peace. I do want to recognize that it's easy to hear something like this and wonder, what's my next step? I know peace is important. I get that. But how do I do that? Well, maybe you can think right now of an issue in your life where, that you know needs to have some peace brought into it. Maybe it's family issues where your family is being forced to pick sides and you're kind of stuck in the middle of it. Maybe it's an issue at your job or school where two of your coworkers or classmates just seem to not be able to get over that one singular issue. And it just causes tension to be built throughout the entire office or classroom. Or maybe you're involved in some of that conflict. You're not just an observer, but you are directly involved and you just feel overwhelmed because the conflict just seems to never stop. These are all really heavy things to deal with, and it can almost feel impossible at times to know how to approach them. You know you need to be a peacemaker, but you just don't know how to do it. Well, I believe this passage, just these two verses in James chapter 3, helps us through this issue as it first shows us to humbly seek out wisdom. Through prayer, reading God's word, and also seeking out wise counsel from those around us, we can find the wisdom we need on how to approach any type of conflict. We can't do this alone, and we need to acknowledge our need for wisdom to find peace in all situations. We also humble ourselves by knowing when and where to speak as we let scripture guide the way we speak and act, and sometimes stay silent and listen. 
we need to keep in mind that even when it requires us to do what is uncomfortable and difficult, we have to be ready to do what is hard because ultimately peace is worth it. Our world is lost. Our world is broken. Our world is stressed. Our world is anxious. Our world is like shepherds standing out in a dark field. They can't see anything. They can't hear anything. They're just sitting in the dark. And they might not even realize that they're in the dark, but you, as a follower of Christ, have the ability to proclaim Christ's perfect peace. That's the mission. That's the purpose. When our world is overwhelmed with the pressures of life to the point where they just keep building and building and building to the point where they just want to shout out, does anyone know what this life is all about? You, as a follower of Christ, get to stand firm and proclaim Christ's perfect peace. We're about to move into decision point time. And if you feel like you're wanting to make that decision to get baptized and accept Christ's peace into your own heart in order to share it with the world around us, then now would be an amazing time for that. I know me and Wayne will be over here at these double doors, and I know either one of us would love to talk with you about that decision. Or maybe you're just really needing prayer this morning because you feel as if you need to experience that peace for yourself, or you need prayer over sharing that peace with someone close to you, then there will be prayer team members all along the sides of the room who would love, I mean, it would be their absolute privilege to be able to proclaim that peace to you and pray with you through that. But together, can we pray? Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your peace. I thank you for how it gives us comfort even in times when there honestly shouldn't be comfort. But you give us peace and that is your grace. God, I pray that you would help us to accept that peace, that we would recognize that peace, and that we would experience it. And God, I pray that we would experience it so much to the point where we want to share it with the world, that we want to scream it from the rooftops. God, help us in that. Help us to want to share your peace with the whole world as much as we possibly can. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.